Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Today on the Happy Hour, JP Jonathan Bacluda is on, and we're talking all about his new book, which is called Why Do I Do What I Don't Want to Do? You guys, when I interviewed JP a couple weeks ago, I got done with the conversation, and I think I said out loud in the room to nobody but myself and God, these are the conversations I love to have. I I really enjoy the conversation you're going to hear today because it's right up my alley. You're going to hear me drop a couple Easter eggs about a project I've been working on that comes out next year, and... uh, JP's book is near and dear to my heart. It's called Why Do I Do What I Don't Want to Do? Replace Deadly Vices with Life-Giving Virtues. What JP is doing in this book and in this conversation today is really calling followers of Jesus to live a life of holiness, to chase holiness. And he has ancient battles that we have struggled with since the beginning of time. And then he has some modern battles that we find ourselves struggling with. So he takes in this book, he takes the battle and then he replaces it with a virtue. So there's conversations about pride and humility, anger and forgiveness. Uh, And then there's entitlement and gratitude, which we talk about entitlement today, busyness and rest, cynicism and optimism. We talk a little bit on the show today about apathy and diligence, and then we also talk about lust and self-control. This is going to be one of those episodes that you want to listen to slowly. You want to take notes. Uh, But what I really highly recommend is you go grab this book, Why Do I Do What I Don't Want to Do? Replace Deadly Vices with Life-Giving Virtues. As we always do, we'll have all of the information, all the links in our show notes. You can go to jamieivy.com slash hh571. You guys, you're also going to hear me in this podcast allude to what I'm looking at. And so if you want to see our interview, go to my YouTube channel and you can find all of the interview conversations that we've been having this year. You can see the video format on YouTube. So go to jamieivy.com slash YouTube. That's where you'll find the video of the conversation that you're listening to right now. And you'll get to see what I'm talking about when I tell JP that he is the best interview I've had because he has my logo behind his name as we chat. All right, y'all, here's my conversation with JP. JP, welcome back to the happy hour. Let's go. How are you? I'm good. I um, am glad to have you back. Yeah. The, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see that JP is in style in his studio. You you, <laughs> you literally look like you're like a professional broadcaster. Well, well look at this. Just, she likes that it says happy hour real big behind <laughs> me with Jamie Ivey. I love that lights. so much. You're the only person that's ever showed up to an interview with a banner of my show behind them. Yeah, well, I'm, hey. I'm glad glad to get to do it. Thanks so much for having me on, Jamie. Big fan. Well, now you're going to be my favorite guest ever. <laughs> right. I also have some nerds glum, gummy clusters for you if you're into that. Um, I thought you weren't way. eating sugar. Tell me about this. That's what that's what is so hilarious about those being right there. I think. Are you I, eating sugar right now? No, for the entire year, and so I think Hannah's messing with me. I don't know. So and, those aren't for put, you. This no, is a prop. No, I, I really think she put them there just to mess with me. True story. This is a t- this is like to see how how 
committed you are to this. Now, the, you started this for 2023 or you're like Yeah. January 1. Yeah, January 1. So every year I give up something and this year I've given up candy and sweets and sugar and desserts and all things that make life fun and enjoyable. <laughs> Why do you do that? I know, because I'm a glutton for punishment. No, I mean, being serious. Like, what you said you do this every year. It's Why? What's a, the it's reasoning? It's a fast. It's a fast. So Jesus says, when you fast, he kind of expects that we will. And and so just, a, I'm not the most disciplined person. Like, I don't enjoy working out and, you know, a lot of those things that other people enjoy. Uh, I don't enjoy eating well. And so every year I just go without something that's hard to go without to make sure I can. What what are other things you've done in the past? Coffee, alcohol, um, buy. Oh, last year was buying things for myself, and okay. so I could buy like groceries, and I could replace things, but I couldn't buy like no clothes. new pair of shoes. Yeah, no new pair of shoes, no new no new clothes, or um, just like Amazon gadgets or whatever. So when, how was that? It was hard. <laughs> it was hard. Like there was one time where I was like, oh no, what did I just do, and. Um, <laughs> And then I ended up asking Monica, I said, hey, can you give this to me for Valentine's Day? Because <laughs> I just <laughs> I bought it for myself <laughs> on accident. But yeah, it was hard. I mean, you see what an idol that stuff is when you yeah. give it up. Yeah. Have you ever had any that you thought were going to be hard and ended up being super easy or easy and ended up being super hard? Um, yes. Uh, I gave up like any kind of... Um, Anything. I'm not like a big cusser, so mm-hmm. like I don't. I mean, I really don't. But just really took a year and really focused on my language. And interestingly enough, so I became a Christian in my early 20s, and I like cussed like a sailor before that. I mean, just f word, noun, verb, adjective. And then when I became a Christian, that was the first thing to go. Like the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit just dealt with that in my life. Um, so that was easy. And then. Um, like alcohol and I'm not a big drinker either, but I'll have a glass of wine, um, you know, here and there. And I just, I, what happened for me, I think being a pastor is I would find myself in situations where I almost wanted to hold a drink to like ease the mood. Cause everyone's being weird around me. Mm, because and, they uh, know that you'd given it up. No, no. Or because, because you're they, a pastor. They, yeah. Because I'm a pastor. And so like, it's always, you know, it's, it's helpful. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a tool yeah. sometimes just, Hey, to have a order, a glass of wine like so I'm everyone normal. Feels I'm the not, freedom yeah. uh-huh. because, because when you're sitting at the dinner with, with everyone and they don't know each other well, and the server comes and says, Hey, what can I get you to drink? And they, they look around and they look at you and they make eye contact and then they say water, you know, what just happened. <laughs> right. Like they, right. they wanted to get an old fashioned, uh-huh. but they, they pivoted, you know, or yep, they wanted a yep. beer and they pivoted. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, I think this is very interesting. We didn't plan on talking about this, but in January, I like, well, I'll say this back in the fall a little bit, and I do want to talk with you about this, but back in the fall, I started to, God really started to deal with me on entitlement. And that's sure. even a part of your book. And so I'm, I'm grateful and I want to talk about it. But started to deal with me on entitlement and how much money I was spending. And I asked my accountant for a financial report on like what I had spent on like personal things and clothing. Yeah. Yep. And, and then I was astounded when I saw the number. Wow. And so I just like, God was just like, you, you gotta, you gotta switch some things up, you know? And, yeah. and I was reading in, in when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and it, it just like, I just got convicted, convicted, convicted. And, um, in January I did whole 30. A lot of people do whole 30 in January sure. and I did dry January. And yeah. I also decided like 
kind of like you, like I'm not going to buy clothing. Okay. So yeah. like I haven't bought any piece of clothing. I, I take that back. I bought a pair of pants a week ago, but yeah. I worked through it with my people yeah, and they're like, yes. Other than those pants. Other yeah. than those pants, which that's a big step. Okay. Um, but it all came down to like, Jamie, are you disciplined enough to do something hard? And so yeah. it's interesting that I didn't realize that you were even doing that until I saw your video about the candy. Yeah. But um, that entitlement stuff is really, really hard. And I was talking with a friend today. Uh, the day we're recording this tomorrow, Lent starts. And so we're all saying like, hey, are you giving anything up? And she told me, yeah, I think you're going to find this amusing. She said one year for Lent, she gave up parking spaces. Um, and I was yeah. like, what? So you can add that to your list, JP. But she gave no, up parking yeah. spaces. And I was like, what? And she goes, yeah, I just decided I would not go and search for the front row parking. Yeah. I would park in the very yeah. back. And and she said it taught her a lot about entitlement. Yeah. That she didn't have to get everything she wanted. And so yeah. I'm just like, here we are. Okay, we just jumped in like we're just yeah. friends chatting, which we are. Well, you won't believe this. I've done that before. Parking really spaces? Have. Yeah. So it was. It's. Uh. It. It became this thing where I was trying to learn that we can receive joy by uh, imagining blessing others, and so it's. It's like the most anonymous thing you can do is when there's the front row Joe, you know, and it's. It's yeah. like right there, and it's. It's right by the handicap space, and you could take it, but you intentionally don't. And you think, okay, I just gave that to somebody, and they have no idea that I gave it to them, and uh, and it it's a way, you know. There's there's a psychology behind it, honestly. Wow. It's a way to kind of boost your spirit and mood, and uh-huh. and um, you know. It's know. so funny that this is two people who have said this to yeah. me today, and so I yeah. literally was like, well, maybe I could give the that Lord's up after for, you. Like he's I know, like you. okay, <laughs> but he's been working with me on entitlement anyway, and this just kind of falls in line. Yeah. Um, Okay, the reason we're talking about this, you have a book that comes out next week, and yeah. I will say I had this book early and um, have read it, and it's really, really, really good. So oh, introduce introduce yourself to the listener, tell us what you do, and then we're going to yeah. dive into this. Yeah, so my name is Jonathan Pacluda. Friends like Jamie call me JP. I was in Dallas for 20 years at a church there and, and led a ministry to young adults called The Porch, and then four years ago, we moved to Waco, and we lead with a church here in Waco called Harris Creek and I'm a, I'm a pastor and an author and I, I, I'm not a big reader, honestly. I love to write. I don't love to read. And so I always try to write books that I would read and uh, I, I lean toward the practical and I'm, you know, I love the, like God through the Bible changed my life. And I, I, it's interesting that he gave us this collection of 66 books when I don't enjoy reading, but that's how we're supposed to connect with God. So I find myself that that's almost the only thing I read and I try to incorporate a lot of scriptures into anything that I write, but I I see something being lost in our culture, which is just this like pursuit of holiness that the scriptures mm-hmm. call us to, and we find ourselves often getting stuck in these in these places where you know the that the the scripture says, hey, don't do that. And I think so many young people and and old people, if you came to the faith later in life, you think Christianity is just this list of rules. Like here's the things that you don't do. But what I see in the scriptures is God's really calling us to a lot of things that we should do. And if we can focus on the things that we should do, then then it's a lot easier to avoid the things that we don't do. And so as we talk about like like comfort or or entitlement, it's like if I can go and and really focus on living a life of gratitude and generosity and and giving things up like parking spaces, then then what happens is I'm I'm not trying to not be something. I'm trying to become something and in becoming that I I deal with this thing that needs to fall off my life like entitlement and the pursuit of comfort. And so that would be an example is 
of of me saying, hey, it's not just that you shouldn't do this, but actually if you if you shift the focus, if you go on offense instead of focusing on defense and you live the abundant life that Christ calls us to, then I think you find something better and you avoid the things that are out there to get you, the, the, the things that the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy you with. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. So good. I want to tell you, JP, I was um, with a mutual friend of ours uh, in August, 
and I was throwing around a book idea like I was trying to I was trying yeah. to write I was trying to do some stuff and I kind of gave her this like here's where I think I want to go this is what God's been teaching me and she's like that sounds awesome JP just wrote that book by the way uh, and I was <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll throw your name on it <laughs> and um, it. and I was like oh I can't wait to read it you know so much yeah. and I already turned into manuscript and it's not your yeah. book I wrote my own yeah. book uh, and it morphed in a lot of ways yeah. but I will tell you your book, Why Do I Do What I Don't Want to Do, uh, Replace Deadly Vices with Life-Giving Virtues, um, is so helpful and needed because it comes from this, uh, like we see, and you talk a lot in Romans, where Romans 7 and then Paul goes into Romans 8, where Paul literally says, I mean, he calls himself like, I'm so wretched, who am I? And he says like, why do I do the things I don't want to do? Really, that's what Paul says. And every time I read that, I'm like, I get it Paul like this is me like why do I do this and um, so I want to hear from you we all feel this way yeah like all of us what made this book at this moment so important for you to write yeah I think Romans 7 is the most relatable chapter in the Bible because Paul's saying hey the good I want to do I don't do but the evil that I don't want to do this I keep on doing and so why do I do what I don't want to do and and then it all culminates and crescendos in the gospel in Romans chapter 8 verse 1 for there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ and you know as we look back in history a lot of people even if you're not a Christian you've heard of the seven deadly sins because mm-hmm. it's been featured in movies and different things. Well, the seven deadly sins actually started as eight evil desires. And so there was this monk, Evagrius Ponticus, who came up with this list of, of vices. And what I've learned, Jamie, is there's not a lot of things that take people out. It's actually a small list of things. Mm. Meaning like in ministries, and I've done ministry for 16 years, vocational ministry, which involves a lot of counseling, a lot of like rolling up your sleeves and getting into people's lives, uh, their parenting, their prodigals, their marriages, their purity, you know, all of the things, um, their their struggles, their hurts, habits, hangups. And as you begin to see the patterns in people's lives, you realize like, oh, there's a lot of people that make decisions that ruin their lives and cost them tremendously, but it's actually a really short list. And mm-hmm. so what we've done is we've taken this book and we've divided up into kind of the the ancient battles, the 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 mm-hmm. some from the list of the the seven deadly sins, and then the the modern struggles, uh, the things, the modern bad habits that we get stuck in, and and we I, I think it's it's fairly comprehensive. Like if if you do something that the enemy uses to disqualify you or take you out. And and I know, I mean that momentarily, not in the eternal sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably going to come from this list or be related to something on this list. Not only that, but I realize that, that in this short list, people are going to navigate to one thing. They're going to say, oh, I think mine is this. Like you might say, oh, I think mine is entitlement. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times how the enemy works is we focus on that one and we try to, and it's like whack-a-mole, as we focus on this one, this one that we never thought was really a struggle, that's the one that comes up and bites us. That's the one that he uses to get us. And I've been thinking a lot about spiritual warfare. We don't, I feel like we don't talk about it enough, but just the fact that we have this enemy, he prowls around like a roaring lion. He's looking for someone to devour. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. Uh, he, he's after us. I mean, there's, there's a lot in the scripture about him from Genesis chapter three to Revelation, you know, whether he's the mm-hmm. serpent in the garden or, or the dragon in Revelation. Uh, and, and he's a, an accuser. He lies to us. And, and he's like today, like, Actively today, there is some sort of demonic force after us that's trying to get me and that's trying to get you. And 
I'm, I'm thinking if I can understand how he's going to do that, then I'm, I'm going to be in a better position to fight him. So we've actually, we did something interesting, Jamie. We put together a quiz to help people understand where they're most susceptible to the enemy. And that's been a, a fascinating research project to see where, you know, where people land on that. Well, that would be very, very interesting. You know, as you're talking about, you have this broken up into two parts in this book, uh, the ancient battles and then the modern wars. And um, when you said you usually are seeing that it's one of these areas that's going to take someone out and momentarily, like you said, to me, that gives me a lot of hope in, in a weird way, because I'm like, oh, I can actually handle 10 things that I can yeah. think about versus yeah. an an infinite number of ways that's right that he's going to come for me and it also makes me think like if i kind of dig down deeper 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 into whatever it means like that's kind of how i got to the entitlement thing yeah. you know like on your list is not like overspending on shopping you know like right. that's not one of them but when i got down to the layer there i was like oh i feel like i can do whatever i want whenever yeah. i want with whatever money i want yeah and that's how I got down the entitlement. So I like that. So when someone is thinking about, okay, I want to think through my list, my thing, how do you encourage them to kind of dig down deeper and find out what that might be for them? And I also appreciate you're like, and you might acknowledge one really easy at the beginning. And yeah. then over here, three weeks later, you're like, oh, wow, I didn't know yeah. lust. I did, what, what? I'm a married woman. How can yeah. I be struggling with lust? That's right. So, so talk about how we can either find the one that's really bothering us or even stay aware to the ones that might be sneaky. Yeah, so I tried to write it in a way where when when somebody reads a chapter, regardless of what the struggle is, the vice or the virtue is, they're gonna at the end of the chapter they're gonna realize, oh, I see how that one impacts me, and I, right. I thought I was immune to it. Yeah, it's you you have to ask good questions like family of origin. Um, you know, a question I love to ask in the interview and like that quiz I mentioned, we kind of built it around this question: uh, if the enemy was going to take you out, how would he do it? And I've been blown away by how many people have no idea to that question. They've like never even considered it. So let me ask it again for your listeners. If the enemy was going to take you out today, like he, 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 today he's going to try to put you on the headlines that you failed morally in some grandiose way or, or just you, you made a, a bad decision that really cost you uh, relational equity with those closest to you, how would he do it? Um, would you you know, get drunk and go streaking? Would you, you know, say something profane in, the, in, a, in a really public place? Would you um, get angry and punch someone? Would you, you know, look at something or sleep with someone or do something, you know, sexual that you shouldn't have? Like, how, how would he do it? And, and a lot of people are like, man, I've never thought about that. And so just that question, just sitting there for a minute saying, hey, what, where am I vulnerable? Like what is, how do I cope? And especially when I'm tired or I'm hungry or I'm angry, where are the things that I turn to in the midst of that? Is it, is it comfort? Is it food? Is it, um, is it alcohol? Is it social? Do I want to be alone? Um, do, am I, do I want to yell? Do I punch my, my um, dashboard or my steering wheel? Like what are those things? And as you begin to ask those questions and, and this book kind of takes a person through a journey to help them identify those things, the hope that I would give that person is there's always a counterpart to that struggle, meaning there's always a positive side. Mm -hmm. um, there's always something that you can pursue instead of trying to fight that thing that when you begin to pursue that the positive side of that struggle, the negative falls mm -hmm. off. You know, I've often 
said the same thing that you're saying and I, I give it I give credit to Dr. Moore although you know what I should ask him one time if he actually said this I feel like I heard Dr. Moore say one time that when he used to counsel pre-married uh, pre-married people which I'm sure you do that as well sure. he would ask them to come back the next week and explain to them how they would cheat on each other like what would that look yeah. like yeah and it sounds very alarming and you're like whoa hold up pre-marriage like this is really like yeah. jumping the gun and I'm sorry if it's not you, Dr. Moore, but his whole point was know what's going to take you out. Yeah. Like, know what's going to do it. Because I'm, and like you, I'm like, if I know, then I can actively fight. I can tell. And I always yeah. say, take it a step further. And you do too, JP, is like, tell someone what it is. Like, yeah. let people know what it is. Now, yeah. you've been following Jesus for decades. Two decades, maybe? Yeah. I don't know how right. old you are. Two That's decades. Right. Two decades. And um, would you say that the. Answer to that question: How is Satan going to take you out? Has that evolved over the two decades? It has, and it's it's wild. Like so, like early on, so I was I was addicted to pornography and and you know had sexual addiction when I met Jesus, and uh, and I partied. And there were I mean I used drugs. There were a lot of vices there, but that was like pornography was was the one that gripped me the tightest, the one that was hardest to to overcome. And, uh, and so, you know, early on in my journey with Christ, I would always think, hey, lust is how the enemy would take me out. And, you know, I would, I would go and look at something that I shouldn't or, or seek that. Uh, but then I moved to Dallas and being in Dallas for years, then it was like, oh, wait, no, I think it's actually materialism now. Like I, I feel something in my heart to try to keep up with everyone else. And I want a nicer house and a nicer car. And I want to wear nicer clothes with nicer shoes. And and so I was like, okay, no, now it's it's materialism. And then as I got older, you know, I just I it was it became kind of um, the like food and or like a really like nice meal or escape with like I said like a glass of wine. Like, hey, I want that experience. I mm-hmm. I would kind of live for the next vacation. Like, hey, when can I go and and get away and escapism and, and whatnot. So that's kind of the journey, like, you know, as I progress as a believer in Christ. But here's what I've realized in writing this book is it even changes in seasons. And so, like, there's this there's this other thing that I don't think much about that's always there, and it shows its head at really ugly times, and it's vengeance. And so there's all these things in the Scripture that we're to, you know, love our enemies and, and be kind uh, to those who persecute you and and I've realized that when somebody hurts me or someone close to me, that this other thing pops up where it's like, I want to get even. I want to get mm. back at them. And I have to really consecrate that to the Lord to, to pray for them, to pray that God would bless them, to, to, to consider how I can be an agent of grace to them. And so not only has it changed in seasons, but then in, in different seasons, it's changed depending on the circumstance and the situation that I'm in. Yeah, which I think it's important as we're having this conversation and people dive into this book, which I highly recommend you go, you guys go get. It's called Why Do I Do What I Don't Want to Do? Is that as we grow in our walk with Christ and as we strive towards holiness, which is what you said at the beginning, that is like what we are striving towards holiness. We're not striving towards being put together. We're not striving towards checking a list. We are striving towards holiness. Is that these things are going to come up and change throughout our lifetime. So it's worth talking about. One thing I want to I want to mention is so many people would say, JP, listen, this is just who I am. This yeah. uh, my, my family did this, I did this, 
And it, honestly, JP, it's not that big of a deal. I could be doing worse. I mean, you yeah. know, like there's that, which a lot of that is not striving for holiness because you're just kind of justifying your sin. But there is that sometimes it can come up in us. And, and you talk about in your book about how we can actually change. Like our yeah. brains can physically change. In Romans yeah. 12, too, you know, it says that we need to be transformed by the renew, renewing of our minds. Yeah. And that mutual friend that I was telling about the book in your book, she recommended a book to me. I don't know if you've read it. It's called You Can Change by Tim Chester. Mm-hmm. Uh, Have you read I'm, it? I haven't read it, but I'm familiar with it. Familiar with it, yes. I read that this fall after she told it to me. But then I opened up your book, and I was like, you started out the whole book yeah. with talking about this. So what is yeah. the hope for people when they're going, it's just who I am. There's yeah. not much I can do about this. Yeah, one of the greatest discoveries you know, in, in recent or modern psychology, psychological history is, um, or the history of psychology, I should say, is neuroplasticity. And it just, we've learned, they used to think that, hey, you damage your brain, like it, it's done. done for, like it stays there. It's, it, but, it, you know, if you break your arm, you put it in a cast and it can heal. And they realize that our thinking patterns really can heal our brain. And so along with the medicinal solutions to um, psychiatric challenges is now you have therapy, things like cognitive behavioral therapy, things like EMDR, these are these are popping up. And so with cognitive behavioral therapy, it really is you're like practicing new thinking patterns. And in in many cases, not, you know, not all, and I'm not trying to put a Band-Aid over everyone's problems, and I'm not anti-medication either. I don't want to be misunderstood as that. But I would say that what they're learning is that a lot of people can find healing through meditation and, and through uh, these practices that cognitive behavioral therapy uh, presents. And so as we go back and we deal with, you know, trauma and, um, and, and maybe we're living with some PTSD is there is therapy that can help us. And a lot of times that therapy looks like, and I don't want to dumb it down. I don't want to make it sound easy because it's not easy. Uh, it is work, but it is it, that therapy is reflecting, as the scripture says. Set your mind on the things above. You said Romans twelve one and two. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Philippians four eight. You know whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. And so the scripture is continually trying to push us in that reflective even when we get to this place like of, of philippians do not be anxious about anything which is like hey okay i don't want to be thank you but he says by prayer and petition present your request to god with thanksgiving and so really what he's saying is like reflect 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 and so there's there's something here that with the right work and the right guardrails the right boundaries the right accountability that change can occur and, and it is hard, but it's often not as hard as people presume it is, especially when they think it's impossible. Mm-hmm. So when someone's saying, I can't change, mm-hmm. and I've been there. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have been an addict, and I, and I thought, hey, I will be an addict for the rest of my life. Freedom is not possible for me. And lo and behold, it was. It, it, it has been. And, uh, and that hope is what I want to give to anyone that says, oh, man, I can't change. It's just who I am. And then lastly, I would just say that's an identity statement. Jesus says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Uh, in, in Colossians 1, he says, I strenuously contend with all Christ's power at work in me. And so there's, if we have the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead, if that's the spirit in me, then I can change. Like people will call the church and they'll say, "Hey, I want to. I want to know if I'll be welcome there." And I can say, 
absolutely you're going to be welcome here regardless of where you're at what what's going on what you're into like we will o- welcome you with open arms and they say oh i just that's good because i want to make sure that you didn't want me to change and i said well uh, to be clear, those are two different ideas because sanctification means we're all changing. Like we're all being conformed to the image and the character of Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. so if the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, for any human being, that means that we are changing, that we are being conformed to the image and the character. And so if someone is out there saying, hey, I can't change, I would say, man, your God is so small. Mm. Uh, The God that created the heavens and the earth, I promise you, it is within his ability to change you. And he wants to and promises, and then there's something better on the other side, which is so difficult as well. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. I want to, in the last time that we have, is I want to talk about just one of the sections, and I've talked about a lot because it's been on my my mind a lot so I picked this one this entitlement and gratitude and you mentioned earlier when we talked about the parking spots and you said that it was a great time for you to provide joy to someone else is that what you said that's right yeah Yeah. which again hadn't thought about it that way I just thought I'm gonna get some more steps in today if I park real far away you know but in your in your book here you have um, entitlement and then gratitude next Mm -hmm. to it and and you say that entitlement leads to disappointment can you talk about that yeah. Every disappointment that any of your listeners have ever experienced in their entire life has come from their expectations. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like this is and when you think about this, it's a little bit of a brain bender at first. But when you think about it long enough, you're like, oh, yeah, no, duh. Right. Like the the only way that I can experience disappointment is if I have an expectation and that expectation is not unmet. What I'm left in the margin is disappointment. Mm-hmm. Well, entitlement is a is a stronger flavor of expectation. Entitlement is the highest platform from which we fall because it's something that we feel owed and you cannot be grateful for what you feel entitled to. Say that one more time. Yeah, you cannot be grateful for what you feel entitled to. And I, and I know you're really passionate, and, and and you and Aaron have helped a ton of people in their marriages, and, and you even have created amazing resources to help people uh, in, in their relationships and marriage. And, and so what I would say is like what Monica wants from me, if we get in a ditch, Jamie, relationally, mm-hmm. it's that we feel unappreciated. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she says, hey, I just don't feel like you're appreciating what I do. I was like, well, that's funny. It's ironic that you'd say that because I don't feel like you appreciate what I do. You know, right. and she's like, well, I just took the kids, you know, this and that, uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And you start like, making hey. a list. Yeah, and just like, well, you know that car that you took the kids to, uh, you know, I, I paid for that. And, and you know, <laughs> so you just kind of go back and forth. You're playing tug of war. What we realize is like what we're looking for from each other is appreciation and gratitude. And if we feel entitled, if I feel entitled to her to help me in those ways and she feels entitled for me to help her in those ways 
then then there's no margin for gratitude. You can't mm-hmm. be grateful for what you feel entitled to. And so we have to reset our expectations and ask the question this, what am I owed? And and even in the midst of hardships, you know, this has been really helpful to me recently. Um, I, I just think like, what do I deserve? And so when I have a bad day, I, I can be honest and say, man, I deserve so much worse. <laughs> you know, I, I, I am, I, the, I can, and I, I literally, I do this practice every single morning. I wake up and I'll, I say every single, most mornings mm-hmm. to, to be precise. I wake up and I write five things I'm grateful for down. It's just a simple practice. I just, I just have a journal. I don't, I'm not a big journal guy. I don't write anything else. I just write a list of five things I'm thankful for that day. And that has helped me, you know, set the trajectory of my day in this place of gratitude Mm -hmm. and begin to think, you know, thoughts of gratitude. And that has helped me deal with, you know, entitlement. And I'll just say this last thing. I heard a pastor say this recently. He was giving this fire message on calling. And he just said, comfort is the enemy of calling. And I, and I examined my own life and I was like, that is so true. Like there's a part of me that wants to be on mission for Jesus. There's a part of me that wants to change the world for Christ, to go everywhere and tell everyone and build the kingdom and all the things. And then there is a part of me that just Mm. wants a massage or, or, or a a nap or, or a really nice meal or a vacation, you know, and, and I just want to be comfortable and those two ideas are often at war with one another. You know, you talked about how gratitude kind of adjusts your mind. And, I, you know, I think about, you know, Ann Voskamp writing. A Thousand Blessings. Yeah. And just really walking through that gratitude stuff. And yeah. um, and it changes the way. One of the, the questions, you ask questions at the end of the chapters, and I love that to get the reader thinking. And at the end of the Entitlement and Gratitude chapter you said take five to ten minutes and make a list of all the things you've complained about in the past week and that will give you a glimpse into what you feel entitled to yeah and um, i remember when i read that the first time uh this fall and i just thought man what an examination of our hearts is to look back and say like what did i get upset about and it could be i mean it could be anything from like i thought i'd be married now to like my husband's car broke down and I had to yeah. leave work early and go get him. Like that yeah. really made me angry. Yeah. I feel entitled. Yeah. Your, your idols uh, are going to be on full display through your emotions. And so whatever causes your extreme emotions are often your idols and especially uh, the right. emotion of, of angry of anger rather. And so when I find myself really angry, it's because someone has compromised an idol in my life and then with gratitude, you know, something I think about gratitude is gratitude turns what you have into enough. And mm. so if I can be grateful for what's there, then all of a sudden what is there is is what I need. It's enough. It, it sustains me. I wish I could talk about so many more because I, I love the apathy and diligence chapter. Yeah. Um, in fact, I underline a part in here and, and it talked about you, you said many are deconstructing their faith because they got to a stormy place and discovered their faith was built on shaky foundation. Yeah. When they face life's real challenges, the walls caved in. Yeah. And I think that you probably are seeing a lot of that um, in the age group that you do a lot of ministry with is like, we see a lot of people who are all of a sudden going like, Oh, I don't want to stand on this faith anymore, but it came from because the, the foundation was not secure in the first place. That's and is right. that from an, an apathy place or what is that? Yeah. 
Yeah, or even even when we drift to apathy, often it's because of the the shaky foundation from to get go. And this is the the problem with you know American Christianity or or consumer Christianity or cultural Christianity. Um, it's it's a counterfeit Christianity. Mm-hmm. It's like this this easy believism. Hey, if you'll just you know come to this altar call and say this prayer, or I think what it's it's you know what it's turned into as of late is you know moralistic therapeutic deism just this idea hey there's a god so i'm going to be good and do good and that's that's not the gospel uh the gospel is is jesus died for us and uh and so we you know he died for us he raised from the dead he paid for our sins and when we understand the grace that we receive in him what we do is we die for him and it's it's not a like do good for him mm-hmm. it's it's a now i'm i'm a living sacrifice we keep going back to romans 12 1 and 2 mm-hmm. now i'm a living sacrifice for him and so if there's some you know false christianity as a foundation then when when life kicks you in the teeth yeah. you're like whoa god this isn't what i signed uh-huh. up for I thought I thought you were going to just bless me from here on out. Yeah. And a lot of times people get angry at God for the disappointments that they experience in life when God is like, hey, I promised you I'm, I'm a good God. And what I told you is in this world, you will have trouble. I was trying to give you a heads up. The mm-hmm. world you live in is fallen. I'm going to redeem the world. I'm going to make a perfect world. I've got paradise laid up for you. But man, you're 80 years, 76 years under the sun. It's hard Mm -hmm. and all kinds of bad things happen to my followers. Yeah. It goes back to what we talked about earlier of having these false expectations of what God owes us. That's right. You know, entitlement. Entitlement. If we are expecting this. Um, I know I said I was only going to do one, but I do want to mention this. You talk about lust and the the opposite would be self-control in here. Yeah. I feel like a lot of Christian women would say, I get an out on this one. Yeah. On lust. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No way. Like, like, I think I'm just going to not even need to read this chapter because, no. like, I'm either, like, happily married or mm. I'm single and thriving and I'm not looking mm. at porn. Yeah. What do, you, what do you talk about in here as far as lust? Because it yeah. is something that is very rampant and yeah. sexual immorality is very rampant within the church. Yeah. You know, it's not a lot of the statistics aren't that much different from people who claim to be That's followers of Jesus and evangelical church versus people who are claim no religion. Um, so, how are you talking about that in this book? Yeah, well, one, let me just back up and say, you know, one in three viewers of pornography are, are women, and so it's, it accounts for a third of all pornography viewership. Uh, I, I, when I, I teach on pornography, often um, helping people find healing and. Most often, and lately, the people that come up afterwards and want to talk and, and receive prayer are female. And so I know that that's a huge struggle. Uh, another way I see it in uh, amongst women is in like romance novels. And so they say, oh, I'm not looking at something, but they're reading things that, that are erotic. And, um, and they, they don't need to, you know, the way that um, God made us is we don't necessarily need to look at something because our mind is such an image factory is we can see it in our minds and it can take us to to these sensual places that we're not to experience apart from uh you know a a a spouse and so those those are some ideas lust doesn't necessarily just have to be sexual i mean it can be this like in in intense greed towards something but in the chapter most Mm -hmm. of what i cover is sexual in nature and i think a lot of times too jamie uh, for women and when i say for women it really is women and men but I see this especially in women. It's discontentment. 
It's like the grass is greener. Like I would be happier if I was married to him. If he, if my husband loved me the way he loves his wife, or the, was kind to me, or cherished me, or did these things, and so it's just this like intense discontentment. And you feed those thoughts of discontentment, and the thoughts feed your heart, and your heart. You know, Proverbs 4 says our entire life flows out of it. Mm -hmm. And so then all of a sudden you're just bitter. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. you're walking around and yeah. you're just angry and short and bitter and, and really discontent. And, de and it leads to depress and de depression and despair and all of the things. So. Well, even when you talk about, you know, the literature of, you know, lusting through what you're reading, sure. a lot of times I'll see two women just kind of disconnect from their spouse because they get some kind of emotional or um, imagery by reading. And yeah. so it, it's fulfilling something that the book was never meant to fulfill in their yeah. in their in their lives and their hearts aside for their spouse. And it is it is self-control for that. You know, I've when I wrote in my very first book, I had like, oh, my gosh, one three paragraphs about pornography uh, as a woman. And I'm telling you, it was the number one thing people would say to me in book yeah. signing lines was like, thank you for writing that because yeah. no one talks about it and I struggle too. Yeah. And so I think there is this misconception around women and pornography. And yeah. yet at the same time, there's women sitting, listening to the misconception going, I guess there must be something wrong with me yeah. because this is only, you know, talked about with men. Mm. Um, and so anytime, especially I'm so glad I know you do this anytime a pastor from a stage can include yeah. women in that conversation I'm grateful for yeah and, and the enemy is using shame mm -hmm. to eat women's lunch I mean just to just to really push them to a place of isolation and yeah. secrecy uh, and and I'm telling you if you would just share your story the it, Revelation 12 says that the enemy is defeated by the blood of the lamb that's Jesus and the word of our testimony that's our story mm -hmm. and and if you will share your story somebody's in a, at a church is going to throw their arms around you and they're not going to be embarrassed of you and they're going to say hey there's healing ahead and and they're going to say me too you know too. I, I struggled in the same way and you're going to find empathy and healing so share your story so good share your story well jp proud of you for this new book yeah, it you, is friend. so good thank you thank um, you, you guys you. gotta get it why do i do what i don't want to do and if you're not following jp on instagram you, you should and i actually tell all my young friends to follow you uh because not that i don't love following you as a, a middle-aged 40 no. year old woman but yeah. I do. I'm like, I love your, your Q and A's. It's so &A. needed for people. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. What are you reading these days? Jamie wants to know, Jamie wants to know, we want to know what you're reading. You know, I'm actually in, uh, it's 30 days to understanding the Bible. Have you ever read that? No. Okay. It's like, it sounds super basic and it is, but, uh, we're going through it as a staff right now. And it, it just it gives a framework for understanding the Old Testament and the New Testament and Love the it. doctrines of the Scripture. It is it's it's twenty minutes a day. They say fifteen. I find it to be twenty twenty five. <laughs> Keep it real. But it really does uh, help give a framework to the Scripture. So it's been great. I love that so much. Well, JP, thanks for coming on the happy hour yeah, again. Thank you for having me. I always me. love having you on. Tell yeah. Monica I said hello. I will. Likewise, Larry. Yes, and uh, thank you so much. Thank you, friend. The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey is a production of Ivy Media Podcast. Executive produced by Jamie Ivey, produced by Lindsay Sweeney, edited by Angie Elkins, show notes by Nikki Ogden, art by Jen Jet Barrett, original music by Matt Graham, and I'm your host, Jamie. Have a happy hour with a friend. Walmart Plus.
Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.